Join me on my journey as I explore wealth in all areas of life. I'm your host, Mindy Kinnis, and this is The Lucrative Society. Welcome back. This is part five of the read-along of The Science of Getting Rich by Wallace D. Waddles. I was laughing yesterday because I met with my lucrative coach students, and then I had a bunch of coaching calls and then met up with some friends. And I was thinking, I'm such a hermit. I don't usually talk this much during the day. So we'll see how the voice holds up. It might be a little tired today, but uh, we'll, we'll make it through. So today we're going to read chapter 12, 13, and 14. Diving right in here, chapter 12, Efficient Action. You must use your thought as directed in previous chapters and begin to do what you can do where you are, and you must do all that you can do where you are. You can advance only by being larger than your present place, and no man is larger than his present place who leaves undone any of the work pertaining to that place. The world is advanced only by those who more than fill their present places. If no man quite filled his present place, you can see that there must be a going backward in everything. Those who do not quite fill their present places are dead weight upon society, government, commerce, and industry. They must be carried along by others at a great expense. The progress of the world is retarded only by those who do not fill the places they are holding. They belong to a former age and a lower stage or plane of life, and their tendency is toward degeneration. No society could advance if every man was smaller than his place. Social evolution is guided by the law of physical and mental evolution. In the animal world, evolution is caused by excess of life. When an organism has more life than can be expressed in the functions of its own plane, it develops the organs of a higher plane, and a new species is originated. There never would have been new species had there not been organisms, which more than filled their places. The law is exactly the same for you. Your getting rich depends upon your applying this principle to your own affairs. Every day is either a successful day or a day of failure, and it is the successful days which get you what you want. If every day is a failure, you can never get rich, while if every day is a success, you cannot fail to get rich. If there is something that may be done today and you do not do it, you have failed insofar as that thing is concerned, and the consequences may be more disastrous than you imagine. You cannot foresee the results of even the most trivial act. You do not know the workings of all the forces that have been set moving in your behalf. Much may be depending on your doing some simple act. It may be the very thing which is to open the door of opportunity to very great possibilities. You can never know all the combinations which supreme intelligence is making for you in the world of things and of human affairs. Your neglect or failure to do some small thing may cause a long delay in getting what you want. Do every day all that can be done that day day. There is, however, a limitation or qualification of the above that you must take into account. Now, this is key for all of you overachievers. Listen up. You are not to overwork. 
nor to rush blindly into your business in the effort to do the greatest possible number of things in the shortest possible time. Now, I get it. Entrepreneurs, we want it all done yesterday, but this is not how it works in flow. You are not to try to do tomorrow's work today, nor to do a week's work in a day. It is really not the number of things you do, but the efficiency of each separate action that counts. Every act is in itself either a success or a failure. Every act is in itself either effective or inefficient. Every inefficient act is a failure, and if you spend your life in doing inefficient acts, your whole life will be a failure. The more things you do, the worse for you, if all your acts are inefficient ones. On the other hand, every efficient act is a success in itself, and if every act of your life is an efficient one, your whole life must be a success. The cause of failure is doing too many things in an inefficient manner and not doing enough things in an efficient manner. You will see that it is a self-evident proposition that if you do not do any inefficient acts and if you do a sufficient number of efficient acts, you will become rich. If now it is possible for you to make each act an efficient one, you see again that the getting of riches is reduced to an exact science like mathematics. The matter turns then on the questions whether you can make each separate act a success in itself, and this you can certainly do. You can make each act a success because all power is working with you, and all power cannot fail. Power is at your service, and to make each act efficient, you have only to put power into it. Every action is either strong or weak, and when everyone is strong, you are acting in the certain way which will make you rich. Every act can be made strong and efficient by holding your vision while you are doing it and putting the whole power of your faith and purpose into it. It is at this point that the people fail who separate mental power from personal action. They use the power of mind in one place and at one time and they act in another place and at another time. So their acts are not successful in themselves. Too many of them are inefficient. But if all power goes into every act, no matter how commonplace, every act will be a success in itself. And as in the nature of things, every success opens the way to other successes, your progress toward what you want and the progress of what you want toward you will become increasingly rapid. Remember that successful action is cumulative in its results, since the desire for more life is inherent in all things. When a man begins to move toward larger life, more things attach themselves to him, and the influence of his desire is multiplied. Do every day all that you can do and do each act in an efficient manner. In saying that you must hold your vision while you are doing each act, however trivial or commonplace, I do not mean to say that it is necessary at all times to see the vision distinctly to its smallest details. It should be the work of your leisure hours to use your imagination on the details of your vision and to contemplate them until they are firmly fixed upon memory. If you wish speedy results, 
spend practically all your spare time in this practice. By continuous contemplation, you will get the picture of what you want, even to the smallest details, so firmly fixed upon your mind and so completely transferred to the mind of formless substance that in your working hours, you need only to mentally refer to the picture to stimulate your faith and purpose and cause your best effort to be put forth. Contemplate your picture in your leisure hours until your consciousness is so full of it that you can grasp it instantly. You will become so enthused with its bright promises that the mere thought of it will call forth the strongest energies of your whole being. Let us again repeat our syllabus and by slightly changing the closing statements, bring it to the point we have now reached. There is a thinking stuff from which all things are made, and which, in its original state, permeates, penetrates, and fills the interspaces of the universe. A thought in this substance produces the thing that is imaged by the thought. Man can form things in his thought, and by impressing his thought upon formless substance, can cause the thing he thinks about to be created. In order to do this, man must pass from the competitive to the creative mind. He must form a clear mental picture of the things he wants and do with faith and purpose all that can be done each day, doing each separate thing in an efficient manner. Chapter 13, getting into the right business. This one I love. It has everything to do with my work. Success in any particular business depends, for one thing, upon your possessing in a well-developed state the faculties required in that business. Without good musical faculty, no one can succeed as a teacher of music. Without well-developed mechanical faculties, no one can achieve great success in any of the mechanical trades. Without tact and the commercial faculties, no one can succeed in mercantile pursuits. But to possess, in a well-developed state, the faculties required in your particular vocation does not ensure getting rich. There are musicians who have remarkable talent and who yet remain poor. There are blacksmiths, carpenters, and so on who have excellent mechanical ability, but who do not get rich. And there are merchants with good faculties for dealing with men who nevertheless fail. The different faculties are tools. It is essential to have good tools, but it is also essential that the tools should be used in the right way. One man can take a sharp saw, a square, a good plane, and so on, and build a handsome article of furniture. Another man can take the same tools and set to work to duplicate the article, but his production will be a botch. He does not know how to use good tools in a successful way. The various faculties of your mind are the tools with which you must do the work which is to make you rich. It will be easier for you to succeed if you get into a business for which you are well equipped with mental tools. Generally speaking, you will do best in that business which will use your strongest faculties, the one for which you are naturally best fitted. But there are limitations to this statement also. No man should regard his vocation as being irrevocably fixed by the tendencies with which he was born. You can get rich in any business, for if you have not the right talent for it, you can develop that talent. 
It merely means that you will have to make your tools as you go along, instead of confining yourself to the use of those with which you were born. It will be easier for you to succeed in a vocation for which you already have the talents in a well-developed state, but you can succeed in any vocation for you can develop any rudimentary talent and there is no talent of which you have not at least the rudiment. You will get rich most easily in point of effort if you do that for which you are best fitted, but you will get rich most satisfactorily if you do that which you want to do. I am always asking my clients, what do you want? Doing what you want to do is life, and there is no real satisfaction in living if we are compelled to be forever doing something which we do not like to do and can never do what we want to do. It is certain that you can do what you want to do. The desire to do it is proof that you have within you the power which can do it. Let me restate that for you to sink it into your mind. The desire to do it is proof that you have within you the power which can do it. Desire is a manifestation of power. The desire to play music is the power which can play music seeking expression and development. The desire to invent mechanical devices is the mechanical talent seeking expression and development. Where there is no power, either developed or undeveloped, to do a thing, there is never any desire to do that thing. And where there is strong desire to do a thing, it is certain proof that the power to do it is strong and only requires to be developed and applied in the right way. All things else being equal, it is best to select the business for which you have the best developed talent. But if you have a strong desire to engage in any particular line of work, you should select that work as the ultimate end at which you aim. You can do what you want to do, and it is your right and privilege to follow the business or avocation which will be most congenial and pleasant. You are not obliged to do what you do not like to do, and should not do it except as a means to bring you to the doing of the thing you want to do. If there are past mistakes whose consequences have placed you in an undesirable business or environment, you may be obliged for some time to do what you do not like to do, but you can make the doing of it pleasant by knowing that it is making possible for you to come to the doing of what you want to do. If you feel that you are not in the right vocation, do not act too hastily to try to get into another one. The best way generally to change business or environment is by growth. Do not be afraid to make a sudden and radical change if the opportunity is presented and you feel after careful consideration that it is the right opportunity. But never take sudden or radical action when you are in doubt as to the wisdom of doing so. There is never any hurry on the creative plane and there is no lack of opportunity. When you get out of the competitive mind, you will understand that you never need to act hastily. No one else is going to beat you to the thing you want to do. There is enough for all. If one space is taken, another and a better one will be opened for you a little farther on. There is plenty of time. When you are in doubt, wait. Fall back on the contemplation of your vision and increase your faith and purpose. And by all means, 
in times of doubt and indecision, cultivate gratitude. A day or two spent in contemplating the vision of what you want and in earnest thanksgiving that you are getting it will bring your mind into such close relationship with the Supreme that you will make no mistake when you do act. There is a mind which knows all there is to know, and you can come into close unity with this mind by faith and the purpose to advance in life if you have deep gratitude. Mistakes come from acting hastily or from acting in fear or doubt or in forgetfulness of the right motive, which is more life to all and less to none. As you go on in the certain way, opportunities will come to you in increasing number. You will need to be very steady in your faith and purpose and to keep in close touch with the all mind by reverent gratitude. Do all that you can do in a perfect manner every day, but do it without haste, worry, or fear. Go as fast as you can, but never hurry. Remember that in the moment you begin to hurry, you cease to be a creator and become a competitor. You drop back upon the old plane again. Whenever you find yourself hurrying, call a halt. Fix your attention on the mental image of the thing you want and begin to give thanks that you are getting it. The exercise of gratitude will never fail to strengthen your faith and renew your purpose. Chapter 14, the impression of increase. Whether you change your vocation or not, your actions for the present must be those pertaining to the business in which you are now engaged. You can get into the business you want by making constructive use of the business you are already established in by doing your daily work in a certain way. And insofar as your business consists in dealing with other men, whether personally or by letter, the key, that makes me laugh because today it would be by email, the key thought of all your efforts must be to convey to their minds the impression of increase. Increase is what all men and women are seeking. It is the urge of the formless intelligence within them seeking further expression. Side note to all my coaching students out there, this is key. Listen to this again. Increase is what all men and all women are seeking. So regardless of what your niche is, if it's health, wealth, or relationships, they're seeking increase. Increase in health, increase in wealth, or positive increase in their relationships. The desire for increase is inherent in all nature. It is the fundamental impulse of the universe. All human activities are based on the desire for increase. People are seeking more food, more clothes, better shelter, more luxury, more beauty, more knowledge, more pleasure, increase in something, more life. Every living thing is under this necessity for continuous advancement. Where increase of life ceases, dissolution and death set in at once. Man instinctively knows this, and hence he is forever seeking more, this law of perpetual increase is set forth by Jesus in the parable of the talents. Only those who gain more retain any. From him who hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. The normal desire for increased wealth is not an evil or reprehensible thing. It is simply the desire for more abundant life. It is aspiration. 
And because it is the deepest instinct of their natures, all men and women are attracted to him who can give them more of the means of life. In following the certain way, as described in the foregoing pages, you are getting continuous increase for yourself, and you are giving it to all with whom you deal. You are a creative center from which increase is given off to all. Be sure of this and convey assurance of the fact to every man, woman, and child with whom you come in contact. No matter how small the transaction, even if it only be the selling of a stick of candy to a little child, put into it the thought of increase and make sure that the customer is impressed with the thought. Convey the impression of advancement with everything you do so that all people shall receive the impression that you are an advancing man and that you advance all who deal with you, even to the people whom you meet in a social way without any thought of business and to whom you do not try to sell anything, give the thought of increase. Another side note, the way that I think about this is leaving everything better than I found it, people included. You can convey this impression by holding the unshakable faith that you yourself are in the way of increase and by letting this faith inspire, fill, and permeate every action. Do everything that you do in the firm conviction that you are an advancing personality and that you are giving advancement to everybody. Feel that you are getting rich and that in doing so, you are making others rich and conferring benefits upon all. Do not boast or brag of your success or talk about it unnecessarily. True faith is never boastful. Wherever you find a boastful person, you find one who is secretly doubtful and afraid. Simply feel the faith and let it work out in every transaction. Let every act and tone and look express the quiet assurance that you are getting rich, that you are already rich. Words will not be necessary to communicate this feeling to others. They will feel the sense of increase when in your presence and will be attracted to you again. You must so impress others that they will feel that in associating with you, that they will get increase for themselves. See that you give to them a use value greater than the cash value you are taking from them. Take an honest pride in doing this and let everybody know it and you will have no lack of customers. People will go where they are given increase, and the supreme which desires increase in all, and which knows all, will move toward you men and women who have never heard of you. Your business will increase rapidly, and you will be surprised at the unexpected benefits which will come to you. You will be able from day to day to make larger combinations, secure greater advantages, and to go on into a more congenial vocation if you desire to do so. But in doing all this, you must never lose sight of your vision of what you want or your faith and purpose to get what you want. Let me here give you another word of caution in regard to motives. Beware of the insidious temptation to seek for power over other men. Nothing is so pleasant to the unformed or partially developed mind as the exercise of power or dominion over others. The desire to rule for selfish gratification has been the curse of the world. For countless ages, kings and lords have drenched the earth with blood in their battles to extend their dominions. 
this not to seek more life for all, but to get more power for themselves. Today, the main motive in the business and industrial world is the same. Men marshal their armies of dollars and lay waste the lives and hearts of millions in the same mad scramble for power over others. Commercial kings, like political kings, are inspired by the lust for power. Jesus saw in this desire for mastery the moving impulse of that evil world he sought to overthrow. Read the 23rd chapter of Matthew and see how he pictures the lust of the Pharisees to be called master, to sit in the high places, to domineer over others, and to lay burdens on the backs of the less fortunate. And note how he compares this lust for dominion with the brotherly seeking for the common good to which he calls his disciples. Look out for the temptation to seek for authority, to become a master, to be considered as one who is above the common herd, to impress others by lavish display, and so on. The mind that seeks for mastery over others is the competitive mind, and the competitive mind is not the creative one. In order to master your environment and your destiny, it is not at all necessary that you should rule over your fellow men, and indeed, when you fall into the world's struggle for the high places, you begin to be conquered by fate and environment, and your getting rich becomes a matter of chance and speculation. Beware of the competitive mind. No better statement of the principle of creative action can be formulated than the favorite declaration of the late golden rule, Jones of Toledo. What I want for myself, I want for everybody. That concludes today's reading. There is one more section from The Science of Getting Rich that will be available tomorrow. If you are interested in discussing this book, this work, these ideas, I will be hosting a book club discussion in the Lucrative Society. If you're interested in checking that out, all the details are at lucra.com slash TLS. That stands for the Lucrative Society. That's lucra.com slash TLS. You can learn all about our membership program and join us if you are interested in these kinds of conversations. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe to the Lucrative Society on iTunes and please leave a review of the podcast. Visit lucra.com for transcripts and resources or to become a member of the Lucrative Society where I coach purpose-based entrepreneurs on business, mindset, and heartset. Lucra, where wealth equals well-being.